Hey, just real quick, if you're in Australia and still have old analog clocks, it's time to upgrade so that your swimmers can see the clock. The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is now available in Oz. They're distributed by Tim Lane in Brisbane, and I've got a special deal for you. Just email him at tim at swimnerd.com, tell him Brett Hawk sent you, and get yours today for just $7.99 Aussie dollars. So email tim at swimnerd.com and order your Swim Nerd Pace Clocks today. All right, Femke Hemskerek, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm glad I pre- to be- Yeah, I appreciate you doing this. This is awesome. <laughs> I've been yeah. a, a big fan of yours for many years, watching you swim from afar. You know, we don't get a lot of interaction with the European athletes as much as I'd like, but i um, certainly been a big fan of yours and, and love watching you perform. I remember uh, Paris. You remember when uh, you said like, uh, okay, if you swim a PB in the morning, uh, I'll give you my sunglasses. <laughs> and guess what I did? I swam a PB in the morning. <laughs> I'll never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said you like the sunglasses. I was like, well, you swim a PB, they're yours. You know, that's what you got to do. <laughs> Good job. We actually swam. We actually competed together at the same time. I was doing a little bit of research on you. You actually swam in Montreal in 2005, yeah. right? The first one, yeah. Yeah, so you were, you were young, I was old, and uh, we, we did, we crossed paths a little bit there. Yeah, now I'm old. So <laughs> well, now I'm real what old. Makes, what makes you? <laughs> <laughs> so listen, where are you coming from today? Uh, well, I just had a nap. And uh, so tomorrow we go to a, a place in the north, in the Netherlands, um, and we're going to have our first competition. And it's going to be a, a closed competition, so no spectators. So, uh, yeah, we're kind of resting a little bit. We had a easier week this week, so that's where I come from. Or you mean where I come from? I mean, where are you right now? You're sitting in oh, some well, house. Yeah, I'm in my own apartment. Yeah. In, in the Netherlands, right? In Eindhoven, yeah. We train uh, many swimmers know that pool because uh, it's, uh, we have a good competition there from World Cup and uh, Europeans. So yeah. that's why I live here. This is a good pool, good coach. Awesome. Who, who's your coach now? Uh, Marcel Lauda. Oh, Marcel, yeah. He, he's a champion himself, so he knows what he's doing. But um, listen, part of my, you know, we, we discussed this off air a little while ago. I started this in, in February just as, as an adventure, as some fun. And I've talked to a lot of people over the last few months, a lot of champions um, like yourself. And I'm just interested in performance. So I don't really dive too deep into... Um, who you were before we have this discussion because a lot of people might not know you so part of our discussion will just be me discovering who you are as well so um, if I ask questions that I have no idea of I really haven't done much research it's just I want to get to know you so tell us how did you start swimming why did you start swimming Um, well just my mom she put me on swimming and ballet when I was young and uh and she said that uh, ballet was nothing for me because I just wanted to do the free dancing instead of, you know, in ballet, you have the structured steps all the time. And uh, I just wanted to do uh, free dancing and didn't want to have the steps. So she, she just basically said swimming was more for me. And I got scouted when I was 12, 13, something like that. And uh, yeah, I got scouted. And then I went to a, a beer club and I made a lot of progression. And uh, 
yeah, it, it kind of went upwards from there. And I think in 2007, when we won bronze medal in uh, Melbourne with the relay, I really, yeah, I think it was like really strong that I wanted to dedicate my, my life to swimming. Oh, wow. So it took you to, to get to the world championships and, and win a medal for you to decide, oh, I want to be a swimmer now. Well, I think 2007 for me was the first time I believed in myself that I, that I could be good in it. Hmm. So before I, I also wanted to dedicate, but I was not sure if, I, if, the, if it was for me. Hmm. And uh, I did really well at the world champs. And that's when like, wow. But when I saw Inge de Bruyne and Peter van Hoogman win all the gold medals in Sydney, I was hmm. on the television like all day. And uh, for sure, when, uh, when Inge won her gold medal in the fly, it was her first one. And they made like, um, like a slow motion video of her butterflying to the gold medal uh, with music from Moby. And this is the first time that I said like, wow, I want they want they make a video uh, of me like that, you know? <laughs> but that was just a dream. And I think in 2007, it was more like, yeah, I, I can do this. I'm, I'm good at this. So how old were you in 2000 and then 2007? So I was 11. 12-ish in 2000, in 2000 and uh, 19 during that World Champs in, uh, wow. in Melbourne. Yeah. Wow, that's really, that's really cool. Every, everybody has, most you know, high-level athletes have that moment where they're watching the Olympics and they're like, I want to do that. So that was, that's really cool that yours was in 2000 when, when Peter and Inga were just uh, crushing the whole world. Uh, just yeah. incredible performances. Uh, have you got to know them personally now? Yeah, well, Peter is our uh, chef de mission for our uh, coming Olympics. So that's, mm. that's funny. And I was in the same team with him uh, in, uh, well, from 2005 till 2008. I think he retired. Yeah, 2008, he retired. And I'm lucky enough to uh, have some one final against uh, Inge. And that was because uh, Teresa Alzheimer, she... Uh, uh, she cancelled her final in the Amsterdam Swim Cup and I was the first reserve. And I was so happy that this is my only race I, I raced against Inga. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> awesome. That's a good memory yeah. though. Yeah, I'm still very thankful for Therese not swimming that final. <laughs> <laughs> I have different memories uh, of Peter. You know, you, you watched him and he inspired you. I, I actually swam next to him at the Olympics and he crushed me. So he, he destroyed my dreams. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually swam uh, the 50 free. The only race I swam at, at the 2000 Olympics was the 50. And I was next to Peter in both the prelims and the semifinals. It was, okay. uh, it was very crazy. So in the, in the prelims, I was in the last heat. Uh, Alex Popoff was in lane four. Peter was in lane five. And I was in lane six. And then we all qualified for the semifinal. I was in, I was in semifinal two. Alex Popoff lane four. Peter Van Hoogen band five. And me six. So wow. it was like, oh, God, I got these guys again. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, incredible athlete. And, and I'd love to chat with him on the podcast one day. But um, listen, uh, this is about you. So uh, I've talked to a lot of great uh, sprinters, uh, a lot of men. And, and I really wanted to dig into the women a little bit more to see if you guys think the same way. You know, if you have the same... Um, you know, if just your processes are similar to the men or if they're not, or if they're different. So uh, let, let's dig into that a little bit. Um, you know, for me, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter if you win or lose until you lose, you know, and like when you feel a loss, a loss, a loss hurts. So how do you, how do you take a loss? How, how have you, how have you learned to respond from 
from losing over time? Um, well, I think losing is not because losing it's 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 about others. It's about how how strong are the others, and but losing from yourself, I think that's that's harder to swallow if I speak for myself. So. Mm. I feel like I have had a lot of competitions where I didn't really reach my full potential. And, uh, and so I was blaming me. I, I, I think I'm a good loser in, the, in, in meaning that if another girl wins that's from the race of her life and just beat me, I'm really happy for them, you know. Of course, there are people you really don't like losing. But, you know, if, if they are better, it's, I'm fine with it. It's more that if I don't reach my own potential, that's, that's what gives me a, a bad feeling. What are some of the things that have helped that you've assessed in the past that you feel like I, I, I didn't do that well enough. I could have done that better. You know, in terms of people that are listening, some young athletes, how do you assess those situations? What are some of the things you think of? Um, I think that I, would have liked to work with a with a mental coach or like a performance coach earlier in my life because not everyone is the same and i for me as a very unsecure kid going into this very competitive uh, environment was was so overwhelming and uh i would i would really um, love to have worked with someone when i was like becoming a teenager young woman and um, yeah, I think that's like more self-reflection. I think that I never really knew who I was. So then it's very difficult to understand uh, how you react on things. And now I know that a lot better. That's interesting. And I was going to ask you, why do you think you're insecure? And, you, and you, then you just said, I didn't really know who I was. So that can feed into your insecurity because when I look at you, I'm looking from the outside in. I, you, you, to me, you look perfect. I mean, you look like you have everything. You have, um, you have an incredible body for swimming. You're built for swimming. You have incredible technique and strokes. Your endurance is amazing. Um, to me, you're kind of the whole package. I would love to have you on my team as, as an athlete because I'm like, that, that's an athlete right there. And then you're winning medals at the age of 19. Like, it, it takes most athletes a little bit longer than that. So you're obviously super talented as well. So when I look at you from the outside in, I'm like, she's got everything. She's amazing. But you're saying you're really insecure. So what do you think was feeding into those insecurities? Well, I was very insecure when I was a kid. Mm. So, and I think that's just how you grow up or things that happen in your life or I don't know, like this is just how I was and, and that's fine, but you need to embrace them. And I think that um, for a long time, I saw that being insecure is a, and being sensitive is a very weak thing. And, uh, and I, it, it doesn't, I don't succeed every day to embrace what I think is weak because I know I'm not weak, but sometimes it feels like weak. Mm. And uh, so I think you just need to embrace your weakness because that's most of the time it's also your strength. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think I kind of stopped finding myself and, and it goes better. <laughs> what, are, what, what are some of the ways then you've worked on your um, confidence or your mental strength? I mean, what, are, what have you done to help? What, what helps build your confidence when you feel at your best? Like I'm, I, I can beat the whole world today. What's going on with you? Uh, I just worked with a lot of people. I just talked with a lot of people about it. And uh, yeah, I just read a lot of books. Um, 
but I think most most of the time it's it's about talking with someone you trust and uh, yeah, just self reflection. I think I did a lot of uh, self reflection <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Do you do you keep a journal or diary or anything like that? Yeah, not every day, but uh, so I have the periods that I. I write a lot, but when I was younger, I also did write a lot. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Now, um, in terms of like uh, tension and anxiety, you know, in the build up to big meets, how do you deal with that? Like, that's something that I struggled with. I remember on the, especially, you know, between the semifinals and the finals, you have that overnight sleep and yeah. then you have the next morning you wake up and you just have all these thoughts running through your head. Um, a lot of it can be negative as well. And a lot of it can, you know, I had trouble having breakfast that, that morning of the, of the final. Like, I couldn't eat. I felt sick. So how, how do you deal with uh, that anxiety on race day? Yeah, I recognize that. It's such a long time. This is like waiting. And uh, mm. I don't know. It's also because I'm doing this for a long time. And uh, I think you just need to make a plan. So, mm -hmm. uh like make a plan like what do you want to do that morning and if your head is going somewhere else you just go back to your plan or write it down so you you don't need to think about what you want to do because you already thought about it and i think that's that's a good strategy um yeah i always go to the pool in the morning because sitting on my room is not yeah i always feel best in the water so mm. i like to go to swim and then uh i feel a bit tired so it's easier for me to sleep it's also a way to put uh, to put off your head mm. and uh and then just race time so yeah but you just need to remind yourself why you're doing this and i mean sometimes it's not fun but i'm trying because when it's fun it's the best it's the best moments right i mean yeah. i hope you recognize that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah absolutely do you, do you have uh routines uh pre-race routines as well that help you with that anxiety and, and things because i remember i used to feel best when i was like okay if i have a plan to do this this and this at this time i just i just stick to the plan and help me really ease the way that i was feeling yeah same i also have a plan but it's it's depending on uh on the competition i mean if it's a one hour and a half drive i i might not go to the pool in the morning mm. or swim in the hotel pool you know so it's 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 uh it's not a a strict plan that i copy for every competition but um but yeah like you have routines it's uh yeah i have routines but not it's not all the time the same it depends uh, the competition and situation are you, do you have any superstitions? Like, do you have to do certain things before you step up on the block like Michael Phelps used to do or anything? Is there anything that for you that way? No, I don't have. No, no. I don't, no, I don't, I'm, not, I don't. I'm not doing the Nadal or. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have, I mean, I have, but that's because I, uh, I feel comfortable doing that. And, but like, I always dry off the block because I want to have the grip, you know? Yeah. But it's not that if I forget that, that I think, oh, this is going to be a shit race. So, <laughs> you know, routines and, and superstitions are really close to each other because I always do that. But I mean, I don't think if I forget it that I, I believe like, oh, it's going to be a nightmare now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Now, when you uh, do you set goals, what kind, of, what kind of goal setting do you do, if any at all? Um, 
yeah well yeah of course I have goals but it's not that i write down a time that i want to swim mm-hmm. um yeah so it sounds like that i don't have a goal but i do have a goal but it's in my mind so i don't write it down mm-hmm. so you have you have an end result and then do you have process goals of saying, okay, I want to do this today. I want to do this this week. Or is there any, how do you structure your goals in order to get to the end result? Oh, well, in practice, I, I really know like uh, where I want to focus on. So for example, if I see the practices about skills, uh, then I try to take that to the whole set. Mm-hmm. Like if, if we, if we have a skill set about turns, then I make sure I, I take that to the whole set because we have this camera system. So sometimes we, um, we uh, make a turn and we can see that turn back in like 15 seconds. So we see what we're doing. And yeah, then, then I just take that to the whole set. Mm. Same. I was talking to James Gibson. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does. Um, but I was talking to James Gibson and he was telling me that in Eidenhoven, you, you guys use this system called uh, Oakbrecht or I don't know how to pronounce that. You tell me, what, what is this system that you're using or training methods that you use? Oh, yeah, Jan Oakbrecht. Oh, okay. So, so what is that? Well, basically, almost every four or five weeks, um, Jan Oakbrecht and uh, his wife, Pascal, they come to us and they do this lactate test. And I've been doing this test for already, well, since 2008, 2007 maybe. And they just, um, you do a 400 meter and you do, uh, and then they, they take your lactate and you do a 200, you do 150, you do 100 sub uh, max, and you do 100 uh, max. And from that, they can really see how your system is doing. And uh, they discuss the results with the coach. And then they, yeah, depending on your, your rates, they, um, yeah, they make a new plan for the training for the next period. So if you have very high uh, numbers, um, then it means that you need to train a little harder because your system is very strong and that's not the best for uh, racing. Um, and it, it depends, it's very individual. So there's no good or bad test, but it's more away from, okay, how can we, how can we get the max out of Femke or not a swimmer in the next period? So that's, it's just a test. Mm. So it's based mainly based around lactate and then they take heart rate as well. Yeah. Heart rate. Yeah. But I think the most important is the, the lactate. Yeah. Okay. So lactate, heart rate, time. Um, are there any other factors that they take into account? Uh, well, the coach uh, is is taking the frequency, the stroke mm. rate, of course. Mm. But I've never been with that discussion, so I I just get the like the results and I discuss discuss that with my coach. So I don't really know how they <laughs> how they take stroke rate, for example. <laughs> so they could, so coach could come to you and say, "Listen, we got the test result back. You're not training hard enough." Has there ever been a time where you're like, "Come on, man, I'm I'm trying as hard as I can." Uh, well, I, uh, once, once I had this and, uh, and he gave me sets because like I had very low lactate on very hard times. So, uh, and they changed it directly on the, because we always have this test on the Monday. So on Tuesday morning, 
he wrote, he wrote this schedule and I saw the times like, Oh my gosh, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it's, uh, it's, um, momentum. It's, uh, I mean, maybe if I had the test on Tuesday, it, it was a different result. So I, I think we don't need to stare, uh, blindly on the, on those rates, but it's just a tool. Yeah. You've had some uh, pretty uh, amazing coaches, incredible coaches over your, your course of your career. You've, you've swam in Amsterdam and, and Marseille, Montpellier and, and Eidenhoven where you are now. Um, what do you think, what do you think, what have you taken from those coaches? What makes a great coach you think? Um, well, a, a great coach, I think puts the athletes central and I think it's, um, what I like if you make the athletes independent, you give it confidence, um, you make it light for the athletes when it's, when it's an exciting competition. Uh, yeah, there has to be some connection um, with the athlete because, I, yeah, I, I mean, I like when, when I have a co connection with the coach. Um, when you feel like this is, you feel strong together. Um, but yeah, also it, it has to be a lot of, it needs to be fun. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, but every coach I had is very different. I mean, when I came to Martin in 2007, he really learned me how to work hard in a, in the sets. And, uh, he really, yeah, that's, I think that's the most I learned from him. And, uh, he gave me confidence. Uh, then I went to Marseille with James and uh, Romain. They really teach me how to sprint and they really make me believe that I could be uh, one of the best because um, being in an environment with one of the best sprinters in the world, I mean, Renomi is not always easy. And uh, I mean, I was uh, the second of Europe, the second in the world, but also the second of Eindhoven, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I would, for example, I would come back with a silver medal from Worlds and uh, say, oh, good job. And like, gosh, she's fast, you know? <laughs> and and it's, it's, sometimes that's difficult because sometimes it makes it harder to, to become number one if, if everyone tells you, yeah, you're number two, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think when I, when I got from that situation into Marseille, um, it felt like I spread my wings and uh, they really teach me how to turn my arm rate <laughs> up. So I, I made a huge improvement in my sprints. And um, well, then I came to Eindhoven and I feel like in Eindhoven, I really made a, a technical improvement. And well, then I had Philippe for one year and uh, he learned me that I always need to listen to my body <laughs> because <laughs> it was a bit too much for me. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I mean, he made me do stuff that I never believed I could do. And, uh, so no bad word for him. And, uh, and now I'm just back in Eindhoven and I'm back with Marcel and, um, yeah, it's a different, it's different again, but it's, uh, it's a more mature, um, coach athlete relationship now. Yeah. Nice. Does, does he let you have input into the program at times? Like if you come in one day and said, I, I'm, I'm just exhausted today i'm not ready for it you know does he make adjustments to how you feel and what you're telling him yeah and especially when i say uh i don't think this this uh, should be good for me because for me that was for a long time very hard uh to say 
because I always want to do what the coach thinks is good for me. But I think from uh, how I came out of the program with Philippe, um, like I knew I was in the red zone for a long time. And I told him I was in the red, but I, I didn't really stood up for myself. I was too much like a, like a social dog instead of a pit bull, you know? Mm. And uh, so, yeah, um, if I really feel this is, this is not the, the zone we want to train in, but it feels like a harder zone than what you write down for me, I would definitely tell him and he will adjust. Yeah. So what's the secret for you then uh, in terms of like you swim fast year after year and you've had different coaches and different systems, but you always seem to swim fast. So what is the secret for you in, in your longevity and your ability to come back year after year and swim incredibly fast, you think? Um, well, I think uh, I'm very lucky that I like training and that I have a huge passion for swimming. Hmm. Um, so I think that's why I'm, I'm around for so long. And uh, I also see the swimming as my, it's my uh, education, you know, like um, your, your personality, your everything comes, when you're under pressure, it, it shows. And I think that's a great way to, to learn a lot about yourself. And uh, I, just, I just like the game. Like I, I love the feeling when you walk out of the call room and, and the, the crowd is on fire. And I, feel, I love the adrenaline, the fire you feel, you know? So I think it's kind of addicting. So I think that's why, I, why I'm still here. And um, yeah, I just, I just love to do what I do. So I think that's basically, it's very, very simple, but they're very strong, yeah. Do you guys get good support in the Netherlands uh, from, from the federation or the government? Or how do, you, how do you support yourself? How do you sustain yourself as a, as a professional swimmer? Um, well, uh, I have sponsors, but, um, in the Netherlands, it works like if you, um, are, if you are top eight in the world, then you get the funding. And if you are, they have like status A, status B and the high potential status. And, uh, if you show every year that you're in top eight of the world, you get the funding and, uh, but you have to show it every year. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So it's, yeah, so it's quite, it's quite hard to get one, but, um, I mean, I'm also lucky that, um, that I have like a lot of fast freestyle girls. So the relay also counts. Oh, okay. yeah, so there, there have been years I was, that my best result individually was ninth, but with the relay, we got a medal or we got, became fourth or whatever. And then I still got the funding. Tell me, what do you think your strengths are in your, in your swimming? What do, you, what do you do really well that you feel like you're, you may be better than a lot of the, the other girls in the world at? Uh, I really like to improve. So I, I'm always open to learn new things. Uh, I think swimming-wise, I, I, I don't have a lot of resistance. So I think my natural position is pretty high in the water. Mm. Um, and yeah... I think I'm, I'm just a pretty good swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you're a really good swimmer. What a, you, you have incredible legs too. Your, your kick is, is incredible. And, and like you said, it, it helps you stay up really high in the water. What are some of the things you do for your, for your leg endurance or your leg power or your speed? How, how do you train your legs? Um, well, we do a lot of, a lot of kicking. 
And recently, because of Corona, I, uh, I really got a bit addicted to cycling. And uh, so I'm still doing that twice a week. And we saw that when I came back from uh, three months in the States and a lot of cycling, we saw my legs were very strong. And uh, so, and he saw that I was really enjoying being on the bike. So my coach kept the twice cycling a week uh, in the program. So that's, that's fun. Nice, nice. Uh, so uh, yeah, may, I think it, maybe I think it's in the genes because my mom uh, ran 27 marathons in her life. So I think uh, I have to, I have to give the credits to my mom for my strong legs. <laughs> <laughs> Now you've you've had a lot of success in all three um, distances: the fifty, the hundred, the two hundred. Is there one that you prefer over the other? Uh, well, the competition between the hundred and the two hundred is close. I think the two hundred is uh, is always special for me because I think that's yeah, it's it's more natural. Uh, I feel like the hundred is more challenging. Um, and the 50, I have like a love-hate relationship because for me to spin my arms so fast around, I don't know how these sprint girls do it. Like it's so hard for me to get a high frequency and uh, still swim uh, efficient. But uh, yeah, it's a good challenge for me. Yeah, I, I, I like it a lot. So do you prefer the 200 so training? So if I had to pick one, uh, yes. I think I prefer the 200 training and I think right now, if you put a gun on my head, I would say 100 freestyle. Oh, really? Get a little love for the 100. Yeah. Do you, do you see yourself as uh, now in your career with your experience and what you know about yourself and, and everything you've done, do you see yourself as somebody that could be at the top of the podium at Olympics next year? Well, never say never. I think I'm not one of the, the favorites. Um, I mean, there's so many fast girls right now, but uh, being sixth in the world's finals in Guangzhou really gave me uh, good hope and uh, confidence that if I go on this way, I can still improve myself. So, I mean, you you know, Olympics is all is also about luck and uh, all. Like, look at uh, Rio, uh, how strange that hundred free final was. So. I mean, I just want to improve myself and I want to be in that final and then all, all can happen. But if you look on paper, for sure, no one would bet some money on me. <laughs> I would. I, I've got some money. I'll put it down. But uh, well, well, what's, well, what are the little things? I got some sunglasses if you want them, you know. <laughs> um, what are the little things then? I mean, what, obviously you're right here. You said you're sixth in the world right now. Your time's here. Um, and by the way, you, you were sixth in the world before. You, you're, you're number one in the world, okay? So you're, you're right here. But what do you have to be – what do you think you have to do? What do you have to improve to get on top of the podium? If you're, if you're number six and you're right here in your mind, how do you get to number one? Yeah, I think for me, um, if we talk training-wise, um, I, I really need to get back my easy speed because uh, like the, the second 50, I could, my, in my best race, I, I came back under 27. So like, that could be a good strength, but I'm not there yet. So I think it's, it has to do with easy speed and I need to get a little stronger mm, okay. in my arms. I think, yeah. How many times a week are you in the gym? 
uh, three times a week. Yeah. Okay. But we do uh, six times a week. We do uh, uh, some dryland programs where we also work on uh, body uh, and core. Mm. And I do like a lot of shoulder exercises. And I think it's, I don't need to be the girl that lifts the most, but I need to be the girl that is the most efficient that I, yeah. I need to be more efficient in the water. Oh, so you do dry land six times a week. Yeah. Oh, wow. Before every morning session, we do dry lands. And uh, every morning uh, before the dry lands, I do my shoulder. It's also uh, like a rehab and um, uh, injury prevention. Mm. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I feel like if you train the, the little movements, like um, it's, it's also very good for your for your swimming. I, we feel we feel that improves a lot my stroke if I work on that too. So right now in, in your peak training, in your peak performance, let's say everything was back to normal as it should be and you're training for the Olympics next year. What are you doing on a weekly basis? How many, how many swims? I mean, you told us about the gym and the um, dry land. Where does it all fit in in a week? Um, well, before Corona, we had a very different schedule. So uh, I can tell you the difference. So we used to do uh, nine to 10 swim sessions. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's basically basically a, a normal schedule that everyone has. So double sessions on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, singles on Wednesday and Saturday, mm -hmm. uh, weights on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And every morning we did dry lands. So that was basically pre-Corona. And uh, now we swim every morning and um, on Tuesday and Thursday, I ride my bike and in the afternoon we do our weight session. So we disconnected the swimming with the weight straight behind it. So we swim in the morning and we do weights in the afternoon. So basically I swim a little less. And, but I have more sessions to the pool because on Wednesday, for example, uh, we, we always had the afternoon off in the afternoon. Well, that's goodbye with the afternoon off because we have weights in the afternoon. Okay. Yeah. So we have 11 sessions now instead of, uh, less. Yeah. So what happens if, you know, you said you have a meet coming up. What happens if you go out and you swim your best time? Do you go back to what you used to do or do you stick with what you're doing now uh, after Corona? Um, I think we're just going to look at what we thought of that race and what we think we should improve on. Because I think if you just keep what you're doing and you don't dare to be better, then you're never going to improve. But you should not put your good program in, in the garbage because it obviously brought you something good. So I don't know. If I swim really well, I think that means that I did well during Corona and that I'm doing good things. But that doesn't mean that that I'm going to stick to this, this program. Mm -hmm. No. What kind of race analysis do you look at after, after a race? What are you doing? You're watching video, you're looking at, um, you know, sports science, you know, technical breakdowns of your race. How do you analyze each race? Um, so we have always a, a video analysts with us mm -hmm. at the competition. And I can literally see every five meter what I did. So I look at my start. I look at my stroke rate. Uh, obviously, I look at the, the times of the 50s. Uh, 
Yeah, I just look, I, I don't want to know too much details. I just, uh, I always ask my coach um, to look at it and ask me what he thinks. So I know what I think and then we can combine. Because sometimes I think, oh, I had a really bad start. And he would say like, yeah, but you were really far or you had a great break. or So I really like to discuss it with him. Um, I don't like to watch the images. So I just want to see the, the hard data because mm. I don't want to put like a lot of stuff in my head. I just want a few things I want to focus on because I'm always tempted to take everything. Mm. Like, oh, okay. I have to do this and that never works. So it works good for me if he looks at the, at the images and I look at the data together with him and we discuss about it. That's what I do. Oh, very cool. I like that. Yeah. Oh, nice. So when, when you've had some of your best swims, best performances of your life, what are you thinking right before you stand up on the blocks to, to swim those races? Well, I think the, the best thing is not thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, just do because you know what you want to do. I, I mean, I visualize uh, in the call room my race and uh, I know when I want to attack. I know when I... Uh, uh, when I have a tactic uh, I want to stick to. So, I mean, the best, the best thing is just, you just go. But sometimes it's hard. I, I, uh, I focus on my knee with the start because I, 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 meant, um, I felt like if I focus on that, that I have a good knee, uh, knee action, that I'm faster off the blocks. So that, that's the only thing I think about basically, about the start. And then I know what to do. I mean, <laughs> I've done it so many times. <laughs> Well, you just brought up a good point, the call room, and I haven't really spent a lot of time in the call room for the, the women's, you know, events. I've spent more time in the men's, obviously. So when, when you go into a men's call room, there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of testosterone, there's a lot of, uh, you know, like really big men, um, and, and, and there are certain mind games going on. Is it similar in, in the women's call room? No, I don't, I don't feel, no, I mean, and you know, the thing is, I, I know these girls maybe better than, than my, my aunts and my uncles or, you know, yeah. like, uh, I spent so many times, I mean, like, for example, Jeanette Otteson, I'm raising this girl since 2002. Mm. So, I mean, I'm not going to play games with her. I mean, I like her. I want to, I want fair play. Uh, so most of the time we just chit chat and, uh, and if you don't want to chit chat, you just put your goggles on and uh, no one will talk to you, you know? So it's, no, it's, I like it. It's, uh, it's like a tension release to be with the girls and they're all very nice. So no, no um, neck blowing or uh, <laughs> testosterone muscles. No. Now, in terms of recovery, what do you do for recovery? You're obviously training a lot. You're training very hard. What are some of the things you do to help your body recover? Um. Well, obviously, I do uh, a lot of uh, cool down. I eat healthy food, but I think the best way to recover is your mental recovery. So I find that if I just uh, spend time with people without uh, a swimming history or, you know, they have nothing to do with swimming, that gives me a lot of energy because I like to have dinner with friends or make a road trip or whatever, and then I'm ready to go. It's, it's more mental than physically, I guess. That's good advice. I like that. Do you do um, any form of, you know, like uh, 
ice bars or anything, anything like that? Well, I have done that in Marseille. We did the, the ice baths and the, the compression uh, socks and everything. Mm. Um, it's more, you know, when everyone is doing that, you're trying it. And I, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't feel like, oh, this is really helping me. I, I like the cold water, but so I'm not doing that anymore. I just, I just do a really good, good cool down. I make sure that if I leave the pool, uh, whatever happens, I leave in the pool. If I swim really well or I swim bad, that's, that's uh, when I finish my cool down, that's uh, something I, um, I told myself. So, okay, from now this, this race is done. Um, have dinner, try to relax, you know, be social and uh, have a good sleep. I think that's, for me, that's the best way. I don't need an ice bath for that. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to touch on something else that I was looking through your uh, bio and kind of jumped out at me that, that we have some similarities in a way that, I mean, you're, you're one of the fastest swimmers in the world, but a lot of your successes in terms of international, um, you know, your Olympics and your world champs, um, you, you've done really well on relays, but you haven't necessarily won the Olympics in the hundred freestyle, the 200 freestyle yet that that's coming next year. Okay. So, but I was the same way, like in college, especially when I swam in college, I loved being part of a team. I loved being part of relays. And I had this freedom that I just didn't have in my individual swims where I could just go out and perform and I would put together these incredible relay swims. And then I'd come, come to my individual swim and it wouldn't be anywhere near that. And I, and I just spent so much time thinking about it. I was like, why can't I swim as fast as I did in the relay as I, as I want to individually? Have you had a, a chance to kind of think about those things as well? Like, why do we swim so fast on relays, but we can't put that same performance out individually? Yeah, I think uh, a big difference is in, for example, it already starts in the call room. There are three girls around you that want you to swim the fast as you can. Hmm. And uh, when you're alone in your individual race, there are seven girls that don't really necessarily want you to swim the fast as you can. <laughs> so I think like being around my teammates and feeling safe with them and mm. they're trying to, yeah, they're encouraging me, like mm. we can do this. Like I feel like a bond. And, uh, and I feel in a relay, you really have no choice because there are three girls waiting for you. Um, so I feel like, uh, it's a different, yeah, different energy. And also I, I never, uh, I never the lead off. Uh, so like you feel the stadium is building up that energy and I, it, I just soak it up. Like I, the best, um, swims I had maybe were in the relay because there was so much adrenaline. It almost came off my ears. So, mm. so much adrenaline. So, and I think. What you said is, is, uh, is, is of course, uh, you feel more free because maybe you feel more comfortable being with your teammates. That's what I think. Um, but, I, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Yeah. No, and I, I think you gave a great answer, actually. I mean, it's true. You do. You, you just you take in all this energy. You have this expectation of your teammates, and they're, they're there. They're holding you up. You, know? you feel this different energy, like people are holding you up. And then, like you said, you go into a call room where everybody's trying to kill you and everybody wants to beat you. It's a, it's a, it's a negative energy, you know, it's, and you can't draw from that necessarily as, as well. Um, some people do. And yeah, the look, girls are nice in the call room, but I mean, the girls are nice in the call room, but it's a different energy. 
And uh, it's funny because today it's 12 years ago uh, that we won that gold medal in Beijing. And uh, I remember when we walked up uh, the pool deck and uh, we hold hands and they, they announce us and I look to the left and the right and I'm like, oh, yes, man, I have the best team. I, I believe so much in these girls. <laughs> like it's uh, at school, you know, sometimes you had two people and they had to pick teams. You remember that? You had that yeah, in school? Mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, yes, man, we have the best. I have the best three. I picked the best three. <laughs> yeah. So I felt very uh, encouraged by them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. That's a great, great description, actually. Uh, very similar feeling. You're right. So that's great. So do you think you guys have uh, a, a team that could win the, the gold medal in the relay next year as well? Uh, I think if we medal, it would be amazing. Um, I think the, the relays are very strong and it's, uh, I mean, uh, Australia, United States, obviously, and Canada, they have a, a good base with a lot of girls that step in. And uh, we, are, uh, we are still a little bit behind, I feel, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> you do, you never know. And I, I talked to Nathan Adrian the other day and that's one of the things he said. He's like, Brett, you know, if we swim the, if I swim the race a hundred times, they might beat me 90 times, but I'm going to beat them 10 times out of a hundred, you know? So you just, you never know. So it, it could be your day and, and you've got to always give yourself that chance, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I've asked you a lot of questions. Do you have any questions for me before we leave? I put you on the spot. Well, yeah, like I didn't think about that yet, but um, <laughs> so. But how did you deal with your? Uh, I'm I'm just curious how you dealt with uh, the things we talked about um, because you said we're quite similar. Did you succeed um, being as good in the relay as individual? You know, I, I actually didn't swim the 100 very well. I, I, I was different than you. You can swim a 200 down to 100. I could swim a 50 and that's and, and maybe up to the 75, but I could never get to the 100. Um, so actually in Sydney, <laughs> in Sydney, I was the fastest swimmer uh, on the team. I was, I was the 50 freestyle champion. So I called myself the fastest swimmer, but I wasn't fast enough to make the relay team. I wasn't even considered for the relay team. So I had to sit and watch... So for years and years and years, um, I just could never finish a hundred. I don't know why, but in terms of, in terms of performance, um, you know, I, I did, I did always enjoy swimming relays and, it, and it's a very similar feeling. Like I, I haven't never won an Olympic medal. My, my best result was sixth, you know, and I remember, um, sitting in the call room and I could feel the tension that you talk about and, and, and I remember thinking to myself, wow, the, these guys are the best in the world. Like I'm, I'm really up against the best in the world now. I think there's no other time like the Olympic Games where you sit in the call room and you can honestly say everybody's there. You know, nobody's missing. Nobody's sitting at home. Nobody's having the year yeah. off. Like all the best swimmers in the world. So when you're, when you're in the final of the Olympics and you sit in that call room, you're like, wow, this is the best of the best. I remember looking at Peter Van and Hugenban and Alex Popoff and Gary Hall Jr. They're all sitting there with me. I'm thinking, wow, I've got to beat. Okay, maybe, maybe today's my day. I can beat Alex Popoff or maybe I'm having a great day. 
But not only do I have to beat him, then I've got to beat him and I've got to beat him and I've got to beat him. So then you look around the room and you got, you're like, wow, I better have a really good day today. So that was kind of in my head a lot. Um, and, I, and I'm interested in performance because there are athletes that, that win individually a lot. And I'm interested, did they think differently than I did? And, and so that's kind of what I'm trying to get to the bottom of here is like, what am I thinking? And what are you thinking? Why, why did I never win? And why, why do you win all the time? Is there a difference in what we're thinking or were you just better than me or are you better than everybody? So um, what I've found is, yes, there's a difference in the way that champions think. Champions always give themselves a chance to win. They never come into the call room and think, oh, wow, I've got to beat all these guys. They actually think these guys have to beat me today. You know, it's a different mentality. Uh, I talked to Lenny Krasselberg, who was a Olympic champion. You know, I've talked to, um, I've, I've talked yeah. to, you know, Ian Thorpe, um, all these incredible champions and they all say the same thing. They always said when they walk into the call room, they said, they have to beat me. I, I don't have to beat them, you know? And so um, it's an interesting perspective. It's one that I, I want you to adopt because I think you're one of the fastest girls in the world. And I certainly believe in you. And, and I think you can beat anybody on any day. So next year, when you walk into the call room, I want you to say, okay, you guys have got to beat me today. All right. <laughs> but how did it make you feel when uh, when you, you when you recognized you you, th you thought that the champions I the champions between us mm -hmm. uh, think differently than you? It was tough because I couldn't go back then. That I was like, man, I I really made a mistake then, and so it's it's almost a reason why I'm a coach is because I I wanted to be able to take those lessons and and give them to my athletes. And um, I had the chance in 2008 to coach uh, Cesar Cielo when he won the gold medal in the 50s. So my, my Olympic progression was this. As a swimmer in 2000, I finished 12th. And then in Athens, I finished 6th. And then the next Olympics as a coach, we won. So I was 12th, 6th, 1st, you know. And so that was kind of my progression. And, and what I learned along the way is how to manage each one of those performances differently. And so when I was a coach with Cesar, one of the things we did is I mentally prepared him for the moment that he would stand behind the blocks because I think that's as a swimmer, that's when you're exposed the most. I mean, you take your clothes off, you're standing mm -hmm. in front of millions of people, billions of people in a swimsuit and a cap, you feel naked. You're like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm completely exposed here. And now I've got to go and perform better than I've ever performed in my life. So I think you have to prepare for that moment where you feel vulnerable, feel very, very vulnerable and your whole life flashes. You know, you, when you're, when you're behind the blocks at the Olympics, sometimes you see everything that has come before you from the moment you're a child, when you're sitting at home and watching Inga de Bruin at the Olympics, you're thinking about all those moments. And then you start to think about all the moments in the future of like, what happens if I win the Olympic gold medal? What's going to happen to my life? How am I going to change? You know, so you, you look back and then you look forward and you kind of get caught. And the best athletes, again, the ones that I talked to, Alexander Popoff and all these athletes, they always told me that they just stayed in the moment. They didn't think about the past. They didn't think about the future. They stayed right here, present. What do I have to do right now to be successful right now? And they stayed very, very present. And that's when they had their best performances. Yeah, they're still cool and collected. Yeah, I uh, before Rio, I uh, I visualized a lot of um, uh, situations. So I visualized, okay, how I'm gonna feel 
when I'm going uh, as a favorite to the semifinal or as mm. a favorite to the final or how I'm going to feel if I just make it to the semifinals. Um, what if, well, how I'm going to feel if we finish fourth and really on the first day or mm. we win gold. So I, I really prepared myself for all the situation. I even prepared okay, how I'm going to feel, what I'm going to do with my suit rips in the call room. And uh, this, this thing happened to me uh, in Europeans in 2016 that my suit ripped. And my first reaction was like, oh! and then I was like, no, 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 no. I prepared this. I prepared this. And it, it really made me laugh because like, what, how on earth is this happening to me right now? And I have prepared the situation. So uh, I think that's if you're um, sensitive or like an overthinker or whatever, I think it's really good to prepare yourself like what you did with cello because right then you can go back to being in the process and being in the now, in the present. I mean. Yeah, and that's when you get your best performances, when, when you are present. So that's, that's good analysis and I'm glad you talked about that, um, mentally preparing yourself for different situations because – yeah, you, you, you can experience, you know, on the, on the first day, like you said in the relay, you, you, you guys collectively might have a bad performance or you may have an incredible performance and you have to kind of go through both of those scenarios in order to get through the rest of the meet to say, okay, what if this happens? Well, then this is how I handle it. What yeah. if this happens? This is how I handle it. And so that mental preparation is very, very important. I, I like that. That's good. Well, listen, um, yeah, I've taken... Uh, I remember in... Sorry. Oh, no, you keep it. going. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I just wanted to like, give an example of... Uh, in 2014 in Doha, when I had a really good meet, in the semifinal, I had my strategy, and I, my strategy was also to slow down a little bit in the last 25, and I touched, uh, uh, I touched in the semis as, as the first... And I, I looked, oh, I, I made it to the final. And then I looked back when I walked out of the back, I was, oh, I swam a PB. And for me, that was such a, uh, like a sign that I was in a the, in the good mental state because I was so in the process that I, that I not even saw that I swam a PB. Mm. So I think it's, for, yeah, I mean, you should always be in the process. That's my, uh, my advice. <laughs> yeah. That's great advice, and I really appreciated this conversation because, again, it's just it's just conversation. You know, we learn something from every conversation, and I'm really enjoying this. And a lot of, again, uh, what I want to discover, do men say the same thing as women? Do, do they think the same way? And generally, yes. I mean, it's all performance. You know, when it comes down to it, um, we, all, we all react the same way under pressure, and we all um, – have choices to make when, when we're at those big meets and, and how we handle those things and how we prepare for those things. So I appreciate you um, sharing with us today. Thank you very much, Femke. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, I hope to see you around when all the Corona mm. horror is over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good luck at the meet coming up. All right. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.